0: Hi, I'm Lanny. On this podcast, I'll dive deep into all things home. Steading, cooking, schooling, making, food preservation, and scratch made everything. Our homes used to be more than just a place to sleep and charge our smartphones. The home was the heart of our families, a place where we could birth our babies, school our children, grow, raise, cook, and preserve our own food, host weddings in the pasture and funerals in our parlor you want to take back your autonomy and breathe new life into your home? Let's learn together. With intention, we can rely more on ourselves and less on the systems that don't serve us. This is the Greener Postures Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Greener Postures Podcast. I'm your host, Lanny, and I'm happy to be with you today. So this episode is just going to be another homestead update, and it's crazy doing these once a month and doing my monthly newsletter, I'm really realizing like how fast a month goes by. It's crazy because I feel like I just did this and then I also kind of feel like um, I've already talked about the things that I've done, but I haven't. It's just that I keep doing things and time keeps moving and here we go. So it is now officially July. As I record this, it's Monday, July 3rd. I'm gonna to try to release this today as well. And um, a lot has happened in June. And, you know, really the beginning of June, the first thing we did is slaughter chickens. But I talked about that last time because I recorded my update a few days after the first. And that was a great experience. It's still sitting well well with us. And as far as uh, chickens go, we've got the younger flock really finally um, hitting their awkward puberty stage of when there's roosters are starting to do their first gargly sounding weird crows. And we can start to really tell the roosters apart from the hens, uh, mostly. So some of them are late bloomers. And some of them like one is a full on rooster with the dangly um, tail feathers and everything and crowing and he's the boss of everybody. But then there's lots of other ones that are obviously roosters, but they're just not developing quite as quickly. So I don't Know when we're gonna process roosters this year. Um, I'll Probably give it at least a few more weeks. We're watching for behavioral signs too to try to see the different to try to understand how many hens we actually have. And I'm hoping we have I'm hoping we have at least ten, but I think we have at least five. So I'm just not sure yet. It's it's you know roughly 50 50 when you hatch eggs, and we hatch 20, so. 10 would be great. 12 would be better, you know, but I don't know. Either way, it's good because we'll have meat in the freezer for the roosters and it makes fabulous broth and I can't get enough of that, as we know. Um, But yeah, I just jumped right in. But before we get too far, I I did want to tell you that we do, I do have a workshop coming up this month and um, July is going to be all about fermented beverages. So this fermented drinks is one of my favorite fermentation topics. And that's like a weird thing to say. (laughs) Like, what does that even mean? I love talking about fermentation. I can do it all the time. Fermented drinks is extra fun. And I think people get probably the most excited with me about that. Like I get super excited about some sauerkraut bubbling away on the counter. Other people get a little more excited about the sweet and fruity drinks that they can make. And I love sharing that enthusiasm with others. So uh, hosting and, and, um, holding the live fermentation workshops um, drinks has been the most fun. Like when you come to my homestead to do it, we taste all this different stuff and everybody's excited and they leave their tummies feel good. Their cheeks feel warm. Like drinking a real live fermented probiotic soda that you make yourself with in-season fruit is like nothing else. It does something magical to the body. It is an elixir of health. I guarantee it. I can't guarantee it. I strongly believe that personally. Um, and yeah, I mean like this month's going to be fun. Like my next episodes, we're going to be talking about fermented drinks. And if you have any uh, questions ahead of time that you want to shoot at me about that subject or anything specific you want to hear me dive into on the podcast, I would love to hear your ideas and I would take that into account, um, when I'm recording, but keep in mind, if you want to join me for the official fermented beverages workshop. That's July 30th. It's a Sunday at 4 PM Pacific live on zoom. The cost is just $40. That's all I ask. If you cannot afford that, we can work something else out. If you really want to be there, I really want to share this information with you. Uh, but I also am trying to, you know, earn a little bit of money to make sure I can keep this hobby up of, uh, hosting my website and, uh, keeping the zoom, uh, you know, subscription and, uh, this podcast subscription, everything that I do online, uh, I hope I can at least make it pay for itself so that I can, um, you know, like not feel bad that I'm draining our resources, doing this frivolous thing that I shouldn't need to be doing. But I, I, I really enjoy it. I really enjoy the podcast. I really enjoy interacting with all of you online. And I really enjoy the workshops, both in person and online. In person is extra special. Online is more fun than I ever thought it would be. So if you want to join me, you can sign up at greenerpostures.com slash workshops, find the fermented beverages, click on that link, and it'll tell you all about what we're going to be doing there. And you can sign up. And let's see, anything else for news, um, I was on the Hockett podcast, and I'll link to that episode in the notes here. If you're interested, you can listen to me on there. That was pretty fun. Just a straight-up, like, interview. Um, I answered some questions. I had a little fun with it. Maybe you could get to know me more if you wanted to. So you could check that out. And then uh, I guess for the membership, Greener Postures membership, it's the same thing, fermented drinks this month. So I'll be sending out uh, an exclusive video And a recipe card to the members, So depending on which tier membership you are. If you want to learn more about the membership, go to greenerpostures.com slash membership. You can also just sign up on patreon.com slash greenerpostures if you're a Patreon user anyway, and that's convenient for you. So the way I spent my June was like I spend many other months, (laughs) but focusing on different things. I did make a new YouTube video for the Preserving Today YouTube channel. That was how I make taqueria pickles, which is my favorite fermented pickle to go with any kind of Mexican food that I make. Um, Also goes good with scrambled eggs. Um, This is a radish uh, pickle, mainly with jalapenos, garlic, onions, and carrots as well. And you could throw jicama in there if you wanted to. But just a basic brine, like we talked about in the last few episodes, and a few days on the counter, well, maybe more than a few, maybe like 7 to 11, and that is like ready to go. And those are super good. And they did last me a year in the fridge. While I did enjoy them more when they were a little bit on the fresher side, you know, up to eight, nine months was good. Um, They are still good. And it's been a year. So I just made some more of those and I made a video for that. So you can check that out on the YouTube channel. Um, As far as the garden goes, everything's coming along well. Every morning I'm collecting lettuce, washing it and eating a big salad with eggs. Like it's the best in the morning, like, and whatever other vegetables I have. So i some mornings like today, I got snap peas from the garden as well and some kale. And I sauteed that in some ghee with some like this in Ayurvedic spice blend that I make for summertime. it's like coriander and fennel and cumin. And uh, what's the one that is cardamom? Yeah, it's and ginger. No, no ginger in that one. It's got turmeric, of course, makes everything a pretty color. So some of that seasoning, sauteed the snap peas with the kale, um, threw that on top of like lettuce that I had already washed and cut up and added a couple fried eggs that I fried in that same ghee. So it made the egg whites kind of a nice golden color from the turmeric. And I added some cooked beets that I had in the fridge and that was my breakfast. And so it's been really nice just going out to the garden and checking on things, weeding a couple things, pruning a couple things, watering if I need to, and getting the food that I'm going to eat, the vegetables that I'm going to eat for the day. So I, oh yeah, I had carrots this morning too. Sautéed with that. That was good. No, I didn't. I brought, I brought three carrots in to do that, but my little two and a half year old was helping me wash the vegetables and he ate all the carrots before I could. He loves the carrots and he is adorable when he eats them. So couldn't fight him on that. I almost had carrots with my breakfast, but when I go out in the morning, um, picking that lettuce at that time of the day just feels really nice. It's like crisp. It's not hot. It's not wildy. And then rinsing it off in cool water inside and like getting it ready. it just like has the freshest lettuce that you'll ever have ever. It's like you, nothing you can buy from the store or even the farmer's market is going to be close to that fresh. It's like so good. And it's funny because like other times of the year now, I'm not wanting salads, but right now it's what I want for every meal. So everything I eat is pretty much is on a bed of some kind of greens. And I know it's a limited time because it's getting hot. Today's in the 80s. Um, I think tomorrow's supposed to be 2. And we're not going to like soon that's going to try to bolt and it's going to get bitter. So I'll select some of those to stay and and grow me some seeds probably and then plant something else out there. But I'm really wanting to try to do a second crop of lettuce this year, maybe even starting some inside so I can't like forget to plant it uh. because I can grow lettuce again into September. It's just I got to wait until the real heat of the year is done with. Um, so we'll see if we can manage that. Um, the garden in general has been good. Berries, uh, strawberries haven't been as good as I hoped. Our strawberry patch got too dense. We had some ho- really hot days and then we had some really wet days and then some more really hot days. And that kind of trapped that moisture in there and created a lot of moldy berries. Um, I also am fighting bunnies this year for the first time. While we have tons of bunnies in the yard and on the property, I haven't really seen them in the garden before this year, but they have been there and they are troublemakers. They're not so much like ruining our crop is as much as like, they're just hiding in places. And then my dog smells them and she goes nuts and tries to get them. And she knows to stay out of the garden beds most of the time. But when she smells of bunny, she loses her freaking mind. And she just charges in there. So she had like knocked over a bunch of dill that was growing. And yeah, now she's on the leash when she's in the garden to prevent that from happening again. And that uh, is important. One thing I do have a good crop of this year that I have only grown a small amounts of in the past is broccoli. So that we're going to, it's one of my two and a half year old's favorite foods. Like he gets excited when he sees broccoli at the grocery store and starts like begging for it. And I always like break him off a little piece and and give it to him. And nobody's going to like yell at me for stealing broccoli because it's so cute. Like he doesn't know what Oreos are or any other processed food yet. He's not begging for cereal He just gets super excited in the produce section if he sees berries or if he sees broccoli. So you can't really get mad at that. So I am excited for him to finally see broccoli in the garden because he hasn't noticed it yet and I can see it growing in there. I have not drawn his attention to it because he will probably destroy all of the plants just trying to eat the broccoli like how he was eating all the unripe strawberries for a while. Um, So I'm excited to cut some of that soon because I know if I cut it, it'll keep growing more little stalks. Uh, but they're, they're still on the small side. So maybe a couple more days, we'll check it. Um, I don't want it to go for too long cause then the heads aren't really as firm. They start to get like, they're going to flower and they're not as, uh, texture is not as good. Uh, but for berries too, we have raspberries are going crazy. Uh, we've been eating a lot of them Then I've also frozen some. I'm not going to, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with those frozen ones. I think I'll probably end up making jam if we get enough all together because raspberry jam is super good. And we don't use the frozen raspberries as much as we use frozen blueberries or frozen strawberries. I don't know why. Frozen strawberries are good because when you thaw, thaw them, they like make their own sauce. You don't need to do It's like strawberry sauce. You can heat them up and reduce that um, liquid a little bit and it makes it like a syrup. It's really good. Um, raspberries, we could probably do the same, but they've got so many seeds in them. They're like less enjoyable when they're not fresh somehow. So making jam or uh, jelly sounds like a good idea for that. And then we also have our cherries, um, doing pretty well we've been eating some of the sweet cherries um, although probably not enough I should go over it's not it's the one uh, fruit tree that's not in our orchard where everything else is so I can kind of overlook it and it's gigantic so it's also hard to get some of the fruit and I'm not really up for climbing in a ladder right now so I've got to let my nine-year-old do that so he brings pocketfuls of cherries over to us and we're trying to teach the two and a half year old to spit the pits. And then I realized that's a dumb thing to tell a two and a half year old because then when we're eating cherries inside, he thinks you're supposed to spit the pits. So we've been working on pits in the trash or pit, spitting the pits outside, but not swallowing them is the goal. Uh, then the sour cherries, the pie cherries, those are going good. I've gotten about a gallon of them um, by volume now, and I'm going to pit those today and either put them in the freezer or make a, some, some kind of a dessert for the 4th of July tomorrow. I didn't do a pie filling last year for, uh, with the sour cherries. So I might do that again this year if we get enough, cause it is good. It's not something we use very often. So I don't need very many jars. If I do eight jar an eight jar canner load, I could probably have that last us two years. Um, Chud loves cherry pie. And so it's something that we make for like father's day and maybe for his birthday. And other than that, I'll make the cobbler randomly but we don't use it as much as we use like blackberry pie filling is my favorite. Apple pie filling is, is good. And then we made the pear pie filling last year. That was really good. So I think I will do, if I get enough, do the cherry sour cherries again, or I'm going to do a sour cherry preserves, uh, which I could use like pie filling for like tarts and stuff like that, or turnovers um, or for cookies, you know, what are those thumbprint cookies, but I'm not sure. Uh, which I'll end up with depends on the amount of cherries I get. And pitting cherries is really time consuming. Next time you're eating something with lots of cherries, think about how luxurious it is that you're not just biting into millions of pits (laughs) because it's tricky. I've done like these Um, methods where I set the cherry on a a, like a a glass bottle and then you use a metal straw to poke the cherry pit through the cherry and out into the bottle. It collects it. It works kind of good but sometimes it tries to like jam the cherry in there and then your straw gets all clogged. I do have a cherry pitter. It's like um, one where you drop the cherries in, you pull like this little trigger and it's it pokes them and that works all right. It works pretty good but it's kind of hard Cause it's supposed to like mount, uh, by like clamping to your countertop, but our countertops are too wide, too thick, I should say. And so we have to modify that by putting another piece of wood on the counter and using like D clamps on that piece of wood and then clamping it to the piece of wood that sticks out. And I can't remember how we did it last year. So I got to ask Chud to, to rig me up with that. If I'm going to use that to, to pit the cherries, which is probably what I'm going to do. Um, outside of just like harvesting all of the things that are coming up and taking care of our chickens. Like we've got a new feeding system and the way we're storing our chicken feed and the younger flock is now getting fermented food, which feels really good because that means they're going to go through water a little slower because the food is hydrated and it's also going to slow them down eating a little less. And they've got a we we Chud put a run in for them that's covered with, um, like whatever netting. And so they have a little space outside. They're not just in the coop, Uh, but we're not merging the flocks yet. We're going to wait till the roosters are gone. So they kind of are staying in where our main flock goes outside and free ranges all day. Um, We did have to cull some of our birds. We had um, several three or four year old hens that were not laying anymore and that were just like deteriorating in health. Their feathers weren't glossy anymore. They kind of had like yeasty butts. I can't remember what it's called. There's a name for it in chickens, but it's just like they just had mud butt all the time. Their feathers look dirty. They look sad and tired. And when they did lay eggs, they were flat eggs is what we call them, where the shell is not hard and they make a mess and encourage the chickens to eat their eggs or try to invite rodents. So we... Thought about what we would do with them. I decided I didn't want to eat them. Um, I didn't think it would be fair to give them to somebody. So we thought the most humane thing to do would be to put them down, say goodbye, put them down, and have give them a burial. So that is what Chud did. Um, that was four of our birds, I think. And the flock has recovered from that well. Um they are still laying. Uh, so yeah, I think we might have to say goodbye to more of these old birds if they make it through the winter by springtime, because it's like, this is the first time we've come up on them, like aging out because previously we've always had predator problems that have taken care of older birds. So this year we had better luck through the winter and these ladies were, are just getting, getting up there. And it's, it's harder to tell sometimes which ones are the older ones and who would still be laying or not. So it's like really difficult to make those decisions for our flock, but I'm thinking next spring we'll do a big refresh and we'll keep the ones we have now that are our our first year that we just hatched this uh, spring. And then we'll get a whole bunch of new pullets next year and then we'll say goodbye to like our whole flock. And we also need to get some new roosters in. So we have some uh, new DNA added. So when we hatch our own eggs, uh, we won't have to worry about too much, uh, inbreeding, which is <laughs> like not talked about that much with chickens, but it seems like a good idea to, I haven't researched it. I just think it seems like a good idea to get new, new males. If I get new males, then I know even if all the girls are sisters or whatever, there's not going to be any funny business. So that's what we'll probably do, uh, like February of next year. So that we're, we're, we we're have a good flock by summertime uh, again. Um, we also got that half of a hog from Widnor Farms in Custer, and we made the sausage that we wanted to make with that. And it was very fun to work with an animal uh, that was closer to us and was pastured because we've usually just bought conventional pork, Uh, pork butt roast or shoulder roast, you can call it, and ground it up. And this time we used um, the different primals, different roasts from this hog. We didn't, of course, use chops, loin, uh, ribs, and bacon, belly, you know, belly. Those things we saved to use for other things, but everything else we made into sausage. Oh yeah, and the shanks. I made some broth with the shanks and it's really good. Super, super jelly broth. I just drank some of it before I came down here and it is excellent. So we made all the sausage. We did probably 70 pounds, 75 pounds total. And that was a little more than half in breakfast sausage and then some bratwurst. Um, I wanted to do Italian too, but there just wasn't enough meat to justify doing Italian as well. We'll have to do another batch of just Italian and get some more of this stuff. Um, Because I love the Italian sausage. And right now we just have it in bulk. That's what we call it where it's just ground pork. Um, So we and that we spiced. So we have bulk Italian sausage, or linked Italian sausage, we don't have any linked right now. You know, we could always thaw that stuff and link it if we really wanted to, but that's a lot of work. So next time we'll be making some Linked Italian sausage for sure. But the breakfast sausage turned out good. Although things were a little less fatty than we were used to. And we like the fat in the sausage, especially if you're getting a nice pastured pig, you want that fat. It's good for you, right? So my bad, I got excited because the bag of fat that I got from the butcher, they ground for us. So I was like, I don't need to wait for Chud to grind this. I can render this lard right now. And I rendered it, and by the time it was all liquid and I was working on it, I go, oh, crap, we could have used some of that fat if the meat isn't fatty enough for the sausage. That was our plan, and I forgot in that moment, and I got ahead of myself, and we didn't have any excess fat to work with. So we just had to go with it. And it is not bad. This is like a nitpicky thing, like no one else would notice. But I think like... For next time, for sure, setting aside some of the fat to use if we needed it is a good idea. Um, Although rendered pork fat called lard is amazing, good for cooking and so many other things. And this fat was so good. So good. Like I've rendered pork before, pork fat before, and it has a really kind of a funky smell. And this did not. This smelled clean. It did not smell bad at all. And I was like really impressed with it. And I think that's my fourth batch of fat that I rendered this month. Like, oh whoa! I've been doing tallow for other people. They have give me their their tallow, and I prepare it and render it, and sometimes make products with it. And then I give them some of it back, and I keep some for my my price right so I made like I made rendered tallow and then made tallow balm for one friend and then the other friend I think I just gave them sausage I'm not sure if she'll want any fat back or not but it was it's like really good and I'm making sure there are people I know who are getting grass-fed beef from certain farms so that I'm not just rendering any old beef fat I mean if they wanted me to do it and they wanted it back fine but I'm not going to render that stuff and then uh, keep it to use it. I I only want grass-fed beef fat, especially for soap and and tallow balm, because that's the stuff that's not gonna have a stink to it. You don't wanna rub like roast beef all over your body. You're trying to get some like pure tallow. And I've got it down, I've got a method down of purifying it with water and salt. And it takes, it's like a few three-step process over a couple of days and it, it is very involved but it is worth it. And with that, I tried making soap for the first time. And it was very exciting. It was very, very, very exciting. I made tallow soap. It's tallow, coconut oil, olive oil, and lye water. And that was what was always intimidating to me is using lye and it's caustic and it can hurt you and don't get it in your eyes. And it's gonna like, have a reaction with the water. That's all. Yeah. All of that happened and I was fine. So it's just one of those things where I get something in my head that I think it's hard and I write it off and I don't consider it again. And then I look at it again when I really want to do it. And I go, Oh, that's not that hard. I can do that. So I did. And it wasn't, it wasn't that hard and I did it. And it was, yeah, it was great. Um, the hard part, which is also the great part that deferred gratification is that, We are waiting four weeks before we try the soap because the lye water has to fully evaporate from the bars of soap. Um, Some places say you only have to do two weeks. Some other people say you can weigh the bar and if it stops losing weight over several days, then you know that it's fully, you know, not dehydrated, but it's fully um, let go of all of the lye water and the lye water could dry your skin out really bad or burn you and you don't want that. So after four weeks, which I think is another week and a half from today, I'll get to try my soap and make sure that I really like it. And after I know that I really like it, then I'm going to make more and I can start to have that available to people who want tallow soap. So I'm not sure if I'm going to bring that online for people. That seems like a reasonable thing to ship like soap in in a small box. It will ship well. So more so than the tallow balm, which I also make and have gotten better at and absolutely love. The last tallow balm I made was so so good, like so good. And I used lemon and lavender as the the essential oils and it's like smells good and it feels great on your skin and it's feeling great under the sun, you know, after I put it on and I go outside. So anyway, um, I'll let you guys know if I have soap available, if anyone is interested for tele soap, you could reach out to me directly and I'd be happy to talk about it. Um, oh garlic scapes and that's one thing I didn't mention in the garden if for those of you who don't know garlic scapes are these little shoots that come up out of the garlic that's going to be the flowering portion of the garlic that you don't actually need since you're trying to collect the bulb cutting it off brings the energy back into creating a larger bulb and then the garlic scape can be used and it tastes a little bit like garlic um it's really really good Uh, But it's a little bit maybe I should have cut them a little younger because they're a little bit fibrous Um, But they were still good to make pesto with which is what I did. I did some basil a lot of garlic scapes um, olive oil Salt um, some Parmesan and that was it. I didn't do nuts this time because my my Nine-year-old's allergies. He's never had pine nuts and he's worried about trying them So we just left it out and it was really really good Um, that can be used. Pesto can be used for so many things just to flavor things, to make a salad dressing. Obviously on pasta, you could use it to flavor your potato salad. Like it's just great. So um, I did that, but then obviously I had to ferment some. So I have a half gallon of garlic scapes fermenting in the kitchen, and they're kind of slow to ferment. They're really solid, they're really fibrous. I think I can leave those out for a while, and I think I can eat those or chop them and add them to salads, or I could probably use them to uh, chop and saute with different things as well. And it's just going to be really good because those things aren't going to last very long on their own. So fermenting them seemed like a good idea. And the last thing I want to talk about that I did this month was canned beets. I talked about it last episode or last update episode. Um, my beet crop is not great. It's, it's pretty good. Like I'll be able to make some kvass and eat some beets. I've been eating a lot of beet greens off the top now as they're growing, which is really good. Um, I guess beet greens have lots of potassium and I feel like I could use boost of potassium. So I've been focusing on that this year. Whereas last year I let a lot of those go without really realizing it because I had so many But yeah, um, and by go, I mean I put them, I fed them to the chickens, which isn't bad either. But yeah, I've been eating those, um, but there just weren't enough. So when we got our order from Azure Standard um, this month, I ordered a 25 pound bag of beets and I got those and used them. I will say, however, working with beets that have traveled, uh, peeling those bad boys were so much harder than peeling beets that I grew myself because there were scars on them from like being bumped and stuff. They had scarred and any place there was a scar. It was like the beet wouldn't just fall. uh, The skin wouldn't just like fall off after I had boiled them. So I had to use a paring knife to get the yucky spots off. And I ended up doing um, 18 pints of canned beets, uh, pressure canned that will be for me for the year or more. Um, And then my little two and a half year old has been loving them too. So I think he'll share those with me, which makes me really happy. Because nobody else really likes them. So Azure Standard to the rescue for a good price on uh, produce this time. And I was able to to get that and get it done now. And then, you know, if I grow a bunch more beets, we can decide what we want to do with it then. But I feel like um, that was a good move. And I can just put my energy into growing other things and preserving those. And really what I focus on preserving is the things that grow on their own around here, which is the pears, apples, cherries, and, uh, blackberries. And so I'm, you know, my apple trees aren't quite as loaded as some other years, uh, but the pear tree looks okay. Cherries are doing better this year than they did last year. So just whatever, as it comes up, just making sure I take it and put it in the freezer or, or can it right away. Um, the berries and the cherries do well going to the freezer and waiting until I have enough to be able to uh, can everything. So speaking of that, that's what I'll do with the tomatoes. My tomato plants are looking pretty good. I pruned them today, which is a little intimidating, but I did it after a friend was over and took a look at it. So all in all going pretty good, especially considering that we've been having some health issues and it's been challenging. I've not been feeling my best and I'm still getting a lot done. Uh, there was a homesteading, uh, modern homesteading conference in Idaho this last week, weekend. And I, we did want to go, um, Adam and Emily, Adam of Debra gets red pilled and, um, Buffalo and legs from false reality check. were both there. They met in person. We also had friends here from Whatcom County that went. Um, but it just was, you know, it's hard to make that decision to leave the homestead during times where things are becoming ripe and Um, with little kids. It's just a lot of work and I'm so glad that we decided not to because all of this health stuff kind of came to a head right around the same time and I would not have felt up to going and we would have already had arrangements and spent money on the tickets and so things work out like that for a reason I suppose. While I really wish I could have met our friends that you know seen Adam and Emily again and met Buffalo and Legs in real life, Um, it just wasn't in the cards this year. Maybe some other day. So guys, that's it uh for this update. Um there's probably stuff I left out and I don't know what it is at this moment, but I'm good. I feel good about what I've gotten done especially considering how how things have been going uh otherwise. And that's all you can hope for sometimes. Just do what you can and can what you do. Hey, that should be a shirt or something. I'm close, but the can what you do Grow what you can and can what you grow. Someone has definitely already made that into a shirt or a bumper sticker. I didn't just do that, did I? All right, I'm Googling that after I'm I'm done here with you. So that's what I'll go do now, guys. Stay tuned for the next upcoming episodes all about fermented beverages. Join me at the Fermented Beverage Workshop live online July 30th, Sunday at 4 p.m. Pacific and hop into the Greener Postures membership for more contact on Content on fermented beverages this month of July. Thank you guys so much for listening and for all your support. Until next time. Thanks for listening. I'm Lanny, and this was the Greener Postures podcast. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Greener Postures, and subscribe to my YouTube channel Preserving Today by going to YouTube.com/slash/at Greener Postures. Questions, feedback, or would you like to be a guest on the show? Send me a DM, or you can email me at greenerpostures at pm.me. I'd love to hear from you. If you're interested in attending one of my online workshops and joining the exclusive Greener Postures Telegram group chat, go to my website, greenerpostures.com slash workshops. I hope to see you there.